Hey guys, this is Dick from Dick and Skippy. Uh, today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on March 4th, 2020. Today's special guest was Jay Stittleberg. He is running for Texas Senate District 4. Uh, and you can vote for him if you'd like, or more information on that kind of stuff is in the description. He also came in and talked a little bit about a new thing, relatively new, uh, almost a year old, Behavioral Health and Suicide Prevention Task Force here in the Montgomery County area. Uh, so that's a very good topic. And if you want to know more information about that, uh, we put links in the description. It's really cool. It was a great conversation to chat with Jay. We can't wait to have him back in. I encourage everybody uh, who listens to today's show is to uh, keep tabs on this guy. He's very interested and very approachable. So I put links how you can contact him in different ways. So if you have questions for Jay and all the thing, all this kind of cool stuff, you can find it uh, in the description, like I said, 20 times. Uh, other than that, I want to say a special shout out to today's show sponsors, and they are Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Uh, they do small business office cleaning in the Montgomery County area. They do one time to schedule cleaning. Uh, you can find them online to schedule cleaning uh, at cleansweepofficecleaning.com, or you can call them uh, at 832-689-7996. Of course, our coffee provider and our motivation every morning is Bean Punk Coffee. Beanpunkcoffee.com for more information about what they have on the menu. But they serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, of course, a variety of delicious drinks. Uh, they're located at 330 North Main Street here in downtown Conroe. You can reach out to them by phone at 936-266-7632. And then, of course, C3 Creative Content Creations. Uh, they do video, social media, writing, all that kind of stuff. It's creative and tangible. They do it. Visit them online at c3thewoodlands.com. Uh, we do not have a guest coming up on this Friday, the 6th of March. So if you're interested, uh, being a guest, just reach out to us. Uh, on the 9th, we do have G Gina Gilstrap. She's a lawyer. So we will have a show on Monday with a special guest, but we will have also, don't forget, we do have a show on Friday, no matter what. Uh, if you or anyone you know would be a good guest for, for our show, uh, reach out to us. So we have a call in text line. It's at 936-228-9368. And then, of course, dickandskippy at gmail.com. All that kind of stuff. Uh, I do want to let you know that we are in the process of going taking the broadcast to be a nonprofit. So if you're interested in sponsoring or donating to Dick and Skippy, we do have special things going on with that. So if you want to help support the show by an individual donation or if you want to do a reoccurring sponsorship, those are available. Uh, again, like I said, we are moving the broadcast to be a nonprofit 5013C. So everything, all the benefits that follow that, if you want to donate and things like that and support the show, we are available. Uh, just contact the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com or contact us to get Skippy at a variety of places. Hope you enjoyed today's show, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Hi, I'm Kenna Danielle, and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5. KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. All right, welcome to Dickens Keeping in the Mornings here on Lone Star Community Radio, IRLoneStar.com, soon to be.org. Pretty soon I'm working on that. That's, that's fun. Uh, we're live from the LSCR studios. You Why know, are we doing that? What? I know, but tell the listeners. Uh, well, uh, we are transferring the broadcast to be a nonprofit. 
So uh, very soon we'll be IRLoneStar.org and we'll be opening the doors for new shows and all that. a lot of opportunities for the community to get involved with a community radio station. So uh, we filed for our 5013C uh, last week and the broadcast will be, you know, a nonprofit. So there you go. Cool. There we go. We are broadcasting on, uh, of course, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1 and then Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. Having fun in the studio. If you have any questions or anything, comments or anything, feel free to let us know. You can always call Texas at any time at 936-228-9368. And then uh, we're on Facebook Live so you can say comments. Because we have a special guest who's going to be here all the way till 11 o'clock, hopefully. Uh, we have Jay Stilberg who's running for district, who ran for, on. District oh, you're going to get a, get a four. Mm. I know that. I know there's a four. I know well, there's the word <laughs> district in it. State Senate. And then State Senate. Yeah, well, okay. All right. There's a lot of details involved. I put all the info there in the description, so if you do get confused by me, I can refer. I can actually refer to the description. How about that? That's so convenient. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. There's a number four in there. There's a four in there. It's here in Texas, but I mean, you never well, know. You had a one in 49 <laughs> shot of getting you that one know, right. You never know. But, uh, yeah, so if you have questions for Jay or you just want to comment or whatever during the live show, feel free to uh, visit us on Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. Join the live feed. Or if you're listening to a recording, uh, always call text 936-228-9368. Leave a message or text it, and I can relay everything back to the group here. But if you are listening to us live, do know that it's Super Thursday Eve. So What does that mean? <laughs> what is that? A joke? Yes. Uh, well, I wish it was a joke, but it's deadly serious. I'm always learning something new every election cycle. Yes. So when you say when there you was have a, jokes like that, I'm like, you know what? I could totally believe it because there was a one of the candidates misspoke the other day and said, "Get out! Be sure to get out and vote on Super Thursday." I'm guessing that's Joe Biden because he's he, they always like putting him. Well, on that's the just TV. profiling. Well, yeah, it's ageism, right? Is that what? What is? Or is it? What's the profiling of it? Is it ageism? Well, they're all. No, Pretty we're, much we're older than White. Him. Yeah, well, for him, I, isn't, is isn't Sanders happen? older? Uh, I think they're about the same age. About the same age, yeah. yeah. So it's not ageism so much. It's gaffism, I guess. I, I mean, but every candidate, presidential, vice presidential, whatever, you know, makes gaffes. But that one, I just hate to be one of these people that are somewhat informed, so they show up on Thursday, where do I vote? Well, you know, there's that poor, poor soul who wants him to win really badly, and he's like a he or she's a campaign person, and every time he makes a slip, she's just like it's like a stab to her. She's like, "Oh God, what are you joke? Come on, come on!" It's like it, the <clears throat> like the Biden version of uh, Trump's uh, Twitter handler. Actually, I think whoever works for Trump doesn't care. I think there's like whatever, man. Like this guy's out of control. He, he'll he'll figure it out. I wonder if that is a paid position because of the desert. Yeah, it's like this is the Titanic lookout, dude. You have one job. No, the president does have an assistant, right? What was uh, his name in the but West Wing? Uh, Charlie. He, yeah, Charlie. But if it's yeah. Charlie's job to keep the president from t- tweeting stupid stuff, he's he's no, he spectacularly his, failing you know, at you it. You know, he put that foot down. He's like, no one touches my phone. Well, that's I what can't, I'm saying. I, the, my my Donald Trump so is Sylvester Stallone. Is the position the still there? Is the Twitter handler? Is the person who says, "Mr. President, give me your phone. Don't do this." Nah. Nah. So the position's been dissolved. Oh. He, so he's taking people out of he jobs? He doesn't have a body man. Is that what you're trying yeah, to Yeah, he with? just destroyed a, a job that should be there. Anyhow, <laughs> in case you are wondering if we're live, like I said, it's the day after Super Tuesday, the day before Super Thursday, 70 degrees outside. It's going to be yeah. raining like all day, all night and stuff. 
So cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, this is this is cool. And all you know, jokes aside, I'm no longer PTSDing when it comes to, to rain here. It took a couple of years. Yeah. But now I can, I can enjoy the rain again. I'm trying to pull this over. I feel like I'm gonna break it. Don't don't break the studio, Dick. You know, it, it's been happening. It, we, the studio is that old to where like the things I originally purchased are just kind of like, oh, what's this dunk? And I'm like, oh, great. It's just falling apart. Now, one thing that just popped up in my news feed is that Michael Bloomberg has now officially suspended his presidential I mean, campaign. Has after. He? Yeah, well, he, he said I'm I think no every running. advertising agency out there shed a little tear today. <laughs> right. He, he single-handedly kept. You know, I should have so called many- him if I was smart enough. I should be like, "Hey, man, we're we're a community radio station. You want you want to sponsor some stuff?" He'd be like, "Yeah, sure." I, I think we were the one oasis from having a Bloomberg ad. I, I'm not opposed to political ads at all, and someone has the money to to blanket the airwaves, all power to them. But I personally just every time every YouTube video I wanted to watch every. Time I scrolled on Facebook every time I'm watching something. I'm too cheap to pay for well, the commercial think, free Hulu. Me, so on Hulu, I'd be watching a TV show. Boom, there'd be another ad there. So we were like this oasis of bloomberg lessness. Yeah, especially on uh, FM radio, ter- <laughs> terrestrial radio, it was every commercial break. And that was driving me nuts. Like uh, there was a place, I forgot where it was. I was working outside and they had one of those outside radios. So no one could touch it. No one knew how to turn the, the thing. It was like, it just kept coming up. I'm like, why does this guy keep talking to me? Why? Well, speaking of talking, let's officially welcome Jane to the studio. Hey, why, why aren't you talking to me? How are you guys doing? All doing right. Good. Great to have you in the studio. So Jane to be here. Uh, was on the Democratic ticket for Texas State Senate. Senate. State, Texas Senate, State District 4. 4. four. Uh-huh. Dick, you'll get it eventually. I mean, yeah. I just know a name. So that's what <clears> I'm like. So challenging the incumbent, uh, Brandon Creighton, um, for the upcoming general election. Um, so congratulations on getting 100% of the vote. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. When you have no opponent in the primary, did you, did it makes you it spend any easy. money? Uh, not, not like on advertising. Yeah, that's why I was curious because you still need at least you voted for yourself, sure. right? You need at least one person. My house, my house voted for me. But so. well, because well, we were chatting about this, <laughs> could write-ins actually affect the, these kind of elections? Uh, sure, they could. I guess if if enough wrote in. And yeah, I was just curious. Beat yeah, you can get like ninety nine point eight percent of the vote, but yeah. So congratulations. Would, your, would on that, that name show up on the results? So if I did some, like, like prank me. name? Yeah, because that's how they can determine if Mickey Mouse has been written right. in or, or whatnot. Now, Jay, answer me this. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if this was on the... You uh, mean they wouldn't display that? Like, if Mickey Mouse got 17% of the vote, they wouldn't put Mickey Mouse I in would the doubt result. it. Really? Yeah. Because Mickey, Mickey Mouse result? still has to be... Uh, they put it under vetted. an other category, probably. Really? Right. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do something like really Unless the name is on the ballot. I mean, I don't think they're bound to. Yeah, because just because you write someone in. Like, why would you put like Jeffrey Epstein as a joke and like 100,000 people wrote that in? Well, it'd be disqualified because he, uh, Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> or Charles Manson or, or. They're not alive. Someone, yeah, they're not alive or they can't. <laughs> or they won't put They that don't down? qualify for the presidency. That's a stinky joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wish that would be so much fun. I think more people would vote. Now, Jay, I, I, bet, I bet more people would vote if, you, if they actually reported that, that kind of thing. I think they, I'm telling you, I think they do. Now, Jay, I'm going to safely presume that you and I voted on the different um, Probably. primary ballots. I yeah. voted on the Republican ballot. And one thing I noticed that I don't recall seeing before uh, 
it could have been there, but I, I'm wondering, A, maybe if it has been in the past, but B, if it's on the Democratic ballot also. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the presidency, because we had this long list of people yeah. I'd never heard of, and at the bottom it said... Um, uncommitted? Yeah, uncommitted. Yeah. Is, is that new? I, I don't uh, recall ever seeing that before. I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't ever recall seeing it. Because there have been some times when where I, I, when I, I would have clicked When I at the sample that. Republican ballot, I think that's the first time I've ever yeah. seen it. It's, of course, I wasn't uh, looking for it before, but. Nor I, but I've been, you know, I've voted ever since Reagan mm-hmm. and like every presidential election. And there have been some times in the decades where I would have clicked the uncommitted button. And and I just never recall having done that. So I was just curious about that. Yeah. Was you know if that was on the ballot on the Democratic it side? It was not. The, I wonder if it's like you have so many people running. I have well, no idea. Well, you got to remember, too, that the, the Republican Party is responsible for what's on the ballot for the Republican Party, wow. right? And the Democratic Party's on the... Okay, so, that makes sense. So but it's, it's not something that, like, the state government did or an elected official did. It had to be part of... What, the party? You know, the state party and the county parties decided Illuminati. to put on the ballot. The Illuminati. I want to... Yeah, right, AAA did it. I, yeah. I want to deep dive into that, because seriously, that's the first time I've seen that. Well, that's <laughs> what I was hearing about the, the big issues in Harris County with the voting polls is because it was either the Republican Party said, hey, when you're going to the primary on, on this day, there's two separate rooms. Mm-hmm. And so the long lines are really the Democratic side because Harris County is primarily Democratic. Yeah. And so when people were complaining, like, yeah, you know, no one's in the Republican you just walk it's right not like, in. like when the when the women go into the men's room at the Astro, the old days of the Astrodome because they got tired of waiting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just open them up, and then they shame you on the walk. See, like, the, this guy's a Republican. The G- well, the GOP could have been smarter. They could have had like cookies and stuff. They come on over here. Just you yeah. know, our line shorter. <laughs> just you know, vote for who you want to vote for. Yeah. There you go. Well, I don't really know the results. I don't really I don't know. I, don't, I wasn't really paying attention too much. Well, the one that matters, or, of course, Jay sweeping. That's right. Well, that's what well, I learned that you're writing on posts. I was like, well, what? But what are you curious about? What What do you mean? What What race? What the presidential race? Is Bernie Sanders? Is he gone yet? (laughs) I feel like people are going to like no. The The way people are talking, the the super delegates are cracking their knuckles and getting ready to dive in. There's going to be more. There's going to be more drama. I mean, I love drama. Yeah. Here's the thing. Biden won more primaries, but Sanders won California, which was significant. Because I was thinking what The Rock should have done is run against President Trump to create. I mean, that would (coughs) shake it up. I think that would really shake it up. Because what negative things can you say about The Rock besides it's been a bunch of, like, bad movies? Yeah. So if you apply Trump's attack tactics, I don't think he can figure it out. He wouldn't be able to – wouldn't call him small? Mini, mini, (coughs) Mini Rock? (laughs) <laughs> like, what's he going to do? I'm telling you, he would have thrown him off, and it would have been a great time to watch. There you go. See, you missed your calling. You could have called up Dwayne The Rock Johnson and say, hey, Mr. Johnson, let me run your political campaign. No, I, I, what I should have done is just make you know billions and billions of dollars and be like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run you. You don't have to say yes. I'm just putting your stuff out there. Well, and, and, and you know, to, to your point there, you know, Biden won nine, at least nine of the state's yesterday and uh you know bernie won california but those delegates really haven't been split up yet right because Del- california is going to take a few days to actually tally their votes because of the way they do their voting um because you can actually mail your ballot on election day and it still counts interesting so sounds so silly. people mailed ballots yesterday that they won't even receive for a day or two to even be counted but they will be counted which is why they don't so 
And, and as long as you're above the viability threshold, which I think there's three of them right now that are above the viability threshold in California, no one's going to run away with delegates. So at the end of the day, even though Bernie won it, he's not going to rake in hundreds and yeah. hundreds of delegates because they're going to get split up. So, um, you know, and there's only so many delegates that are delegated for a statewide popular election versus how you do uh, the way that the state splits it up, right? Most, most states split up the delegates, not only with the popular vote, but they split it up with uh, congressional districts. Texas is a little different because we don't organize our politics in Texas around congressional districts. We organize them around state Senate districts. So we do well, it a little How many different. are there? How many state Senate districts? 31. 31? Okay. So, and there's 36 congressional districts. So, um, so we split it up a little differently and we actually have to get you know, permission as a state from the national to, to actually do it that way because we're one of very few states that don't do it. Is there a reason? Is there like some backdoor dealing? I something? just think that's kind of the way it's been in Texas for a super long time. You know how it is. They don't like to change. Yeah. So. It's kind of like what they did to Spike Lee. Did you read about that? What do they do to Spike Lee? Spike Lee, you know, as a New York Knicks fan, well, apparently he's been using the VIP back entrance and they changed policy where like only players and stuff can come through that. And they told him he had to use the other entrance, entrance the front entrance. He got really mad. I'm by the team. He can walk yeah. through whatever just, door he it, wants. It made me laugh. Like people change rules on people, and you're like, "All right, well, now we got to deal with this guy." Yeah, <laughs> Jay, I wouldn't mind our only fan. Yeah, right. I wouldn't mind comparing <laughs> and contrasting the 2016 Republican debate stage sure. to their primary stage to. Uh, what's happening here because mm-hmm. obviously there's an incumbent Republican so of course he won every he's won every primary there is and the odds of him not winning one are you know that can just go to the side yeah <clears throat> in 16 we had 20 reps on the stage and of course you start calling the herd and Super Tuesday was a big thing and of course the shock to many not the least of which I believe Trump was as shocked as anyone else is <laughs> oh my god I could actually you know this could actually go my way yeah and a melee happened, and of course the the never Trumper stance came from the GOP. Mm-hmm. It's like you know we got to vote for anybody, I'll be right back. but but he still ended up with it. So can we compare and contrast that to what's going on? Because we had a similar uh, debate situation here, mm-hmm. and now with some favorites dropping out or falling out, mm-hmm. um, or even not a favorite so much, but a significant presence. Sure. And I was surprised when Buttigieg. Buddha Judge, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. dropped out just before Super Tuesday. I thought yeah. for certain he would have hung in there. Yeah. Uh, past it. Uh, it. Yet Warren staying in, but unfortunately getting kind of stomped uh, and some stuff. Can you just take pick up where I'm dropping off and, and fill in the gap? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, in, in 2016, you had, you know, close to, I don't know if it's 20 Republicans that at were At least in there 17 and, at one point. And, uh, you know, this year we started with, what, 24 or something like that. Um, and it was just a little bit different dynamic, you know. I mean, I think in 2016, Donald Trump has his char- you know, his character and how he is and how he carries himself. And he was kind of a presence on the debate stage because, you know, he didn't really care what he said, quite frankly. Um, you know, and then, and then nicknames abound. I mean, that's kind of how he called people out, right, that, that would, uh, you know, obviously tighten polls or whatever the case may be. Um, to differentiate himself, I guess. Uh, so it was different. You know, people saw somebody who was just saying what was on their mind and they didn't care about the political norms and all that stuff. And, and I, you know, and quite honestly, in 2016, I think a lot of people, regardless of what side of the aisle you were on, were, were pretty fed up with the fact that Washington, D.C. didn't do anything. There was such gridlock there because no one would work together. Um, you know, they worked together on a 
few things. It's not like they didn't work together on anything, but for the most part, you, you saw gridlock. And I think people were kind of sick of that. And so they wanted somebody to throw a wrench in the machine. Well, you know, congratulations. At the end of the day, you actually got that. <laughs> um, you know, and I think a lot of people were, were hoping it would temper down a little bit, you know, after inauguration and that kind of stuff. So then you fast forward to 2020 and, and you look at now the Democratic side and starting out with so many candidates. And, you know, the, the, the Democratic Party is a pretty diverse party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, you cannot please everybody. I mean, no matter what you do, you can never please everybody. But the bottom line is there's so many varying thoughts in the Democratic Party. And everyone has their own opinion on how things should go this way or that. So you, you didn't necessarily see somebody on the debate stage that stood out completely from the entire group like you did in 2016. You certainly had some that did stand out. I mean, I think Tulsi Gabbard is a good example of somebody that kind of stood out because she had, you know, quite varying views from some of the other candidates on, on, on certain topics. So she, I think she tr- kind of tried that avenue of, of not just kind of talking about the same talking points that everyone did. And, and quite honestly, I, I've always been a little upset. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really watch the debates from start to finish until the last two, really, because there was just so many and it was just too crowded. And I, I had it on and I'd listen to it, but I was doing other stuff. Um, but the bottom line is, I, I, I got frustrated in this cycle with the debates thus far, is that they're, they're, they haven't really been talking about the issues during the debates. Well, it's hard um, when you have so many, even when, when you break it down to teams and, of four or five. And, well, even now, you know, even the last ones when they, you only had, you know, five, six, six or so, um, still, they, they, it was more talking about things in the news than talking about issues at hand. And, and that kind of irritates me because mm-hmm. I, I want to hear well, about issues. Do so. you think that's because of the polarization of the represent- oh, representative for sure. on the stage? Because there are, when you're getting to that level of publicity, people are going to always ask you a question that yeah. might be so far <laughs> out there, but like you got to ask every single person that question. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's what the bigger debate stages are for now. It's like if we're going to ask Bernie Sanders about this, we're going to have to ask everybody on the stage about this and how yeah. they feel about it. And especially with people who are trying to watch these to determine who to vote for, I watched three, I think three of the debates, and I couldn't really tell if I was really into one of these people, you certainly didn't like any of the other people, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And then because a lot of their fan base, they were so different, you couldn't really figure out how to connect them all in case one dropped out. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what I saw watching it because I was like, man, can you imagine being a Bernie Sanders supporter throughout this whole thing? Yeah. And then this is, this is what's going to come out at the end result of it. So Yeah, and, I, you know, and obviously the, the questions that were put on the stage, they have to ask, you know, they don't have to ask them to everybody, but they kind of do. On Twitter, we way. saw somebody tweet a thing about you saying you didn't like women, Bernie. <laughs> Tell us about that. And then so let's ask everybody else, how did you feel about that tweet? Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, to me, I want to, <clears throat> honestly, I want to hear questions, you know, that ant- make sense to me with the issues at hand, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, when somebody talks about, you know, the, Bernie's policy of Medicare for all, for example, um, you know, the question I want to hear answered that I haven't heard answered is, you know, is, is he correct in that we're the only industrialized nation that doesn't have it? Yes, he is. That's correct. Um, but here's the question I want answered is in every one of those industrialized nations, they do not have a, a 100% for-profit healthcare industry. Their healthcare industries are not for-profit. And there's a small 
uh, percentage of those uh, those countries that have a for-profit side, they, they'll have private mm -hmm. insurance. It's kind of like buying a platinum card, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, and they have for-profit hospitals that typically will do those elective type things. It's usually not critical care type hospitals. So, so they have some smattering of both of those things, but over, overarchingly, their, their healthcare industries are not nonprofit. So, so how do you make a system like that work in the United States when the healthcare system in the United States is a 100% for-profit organization for the most part? So that's the question I want to have answered, right? I mean, you know, people get wrapped around, oh, he said he's going to raise taxes on everybody. Well, you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt because, you know, if you're somebody and your taxes go up by $2,000, but you were spending $10,000 on medical stuff during the course of the year, you just put $8,000 back in your pocket. So you can't just take on face value, oh, he's going to raise my taxes and that's a bad thing. Um, you know, even though that's the buzzword, right? I mean, raise taxes is a buzzword and that's what gets beaten to death. But when you look at the context of the whole thing, you know, how, how, how does it actually work with the current system we have in place? And, and that's a question I want to have answered because I don't think any of them can answer that question, which is why most of them don't have that platform, quite honestly. So you just do it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't who, work that way. Either. I think it does. I think if you just, like, just do it. Despotism 2020. Jay, what do you feel uh, are some of these results, especially from Super Tuesday, mm -hmm. Uh, in spite of or helped along by the media? Well, and I know it's a blanket question. Yeah, sure. So well, you know, obviously I think everyone has their opinion on how the media influences politics, right? And, and usually, <laughs> I hate to say it, but usually how it works is the, 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 the person that's winning or leading usually says, ah, that has nothing to do with it. The person that's behind or losing goes, that's all the influence, right? I mean, and if the tables flip, right. I, mean, I mean, let's, you know, and I can use that as in context of just simple examples, right? Like Bernie Sanders in 2016, you know, the, the Clinton and Sanders folks, when they made the rules for the convention about how it was going to work in 2016, you know, Bernie was one of these that wanted, uh, you know, if you don't go in with, a, with the lead, then, uh, you know, the person that's behind could actually win because of the way the, the superdelegates yeah. work and those types of things. And this year, he's on a platform where, well, I don't want it that way because if I'm in the lead, regardless if I have the amount, I want to be the guy, right? So, I mean, to me, it's, it's the same kind of argument that comes with, with the media. And, of course, are there jaded medias that go one way or another? Of course there are. I mean, you're never going to get away with that. I mean, Well, do you think that changes the way people run campaigns in a sense of knowing how to manipulate the media to help get you on the topic of, of everyone's having every conversation oh, for because sure. i mean I, I i think that's what helped out mike bloomberg a lot because of just the talking points people created for him and everyone was talking about him yeah for sure and I, that tulsi gilbert galbert no one talked about her yeah. because she didn't create those talking points and people were like who well, i don't really get what this lady's doing she's not interesting yeah and she wasn't spending half a bill uh, half a billion dollars yeah. on tv ads right so so you're you're absolutely right, and of course they do, right? I mean, any candidate is when you get asked a question, you're you know many of them will spin out of the question and gear it towards what they want to talk about to get that talking point out there, right? Which is a, a tactic you have to use. I mean, you use that yeah. with consistency. especially at that level. It's like that's I mean, just the way it, the games run, you know. So so that's why I think it's always important to look at varying media sources from various sides of the equation, right? Different sides of the aisle, because you want to see what one side's talking about versus the other, and then put in there a smattering of those that are actually in the middle that are actually neutral in their in their reporting so you know i think those are important things but yeah the media plays a huge role and so does social media right i mean we can't forget yeah. social media plays a huge role because 
I mean, at least most news organizations, um, especially those that are in the middle, you know, they, they, they have some ground rules they play by when it comes to what they report. And when you look at social media, social media doesn't have that. I, I mean, like it. The Wild West. Let's just go we'll see for if it. I can cut in with that because two things in particular I noticed about social media. It's yesterday, you know, I had a lot of friends who vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a vast majority of my Facebook friends are that. Because Andrew, Facebook like, wants you to know that. <laughs> well, no, I actually have gone through my friends list. No, and like, yeah, yep, yeah. yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they removed secretly Dude, your Republican Something tells me that has to do with the arts. I was about to say, I'm in musical <laughs> theater. So, and again, that's like, yeah, I'm a Republican who likes the arts. Go figure. But a lot and a very significant portion of my friend base, and, you know, I'll, I'll take that as a sampling of, of the world at large, mm-hmm. where, like, don't count Warren out this and that, you know, the statistics. Sanders needs this many you delegates. You still write her in. That, huh? You still write her in. Well, no, it's the thing is she still got, she came in third in Texas. She came in third in her own home state. So yeah. on social media and, and also, so there's that. So people pushing for it, but in the end, it really didn't make any difference. But on the other end, in a more local race, there's a very social media and media push against a particular candidate. Yeah. That it was like, and then this candidate prevailed strongly yesterday, and I'll be honest, caught me off guard. Yeah, uh, with, with the sheer number of votes, which to me says that even though I believe local media and local social media were very do not vote this way, that person prevailed. So it's like, do does media exist to sometimes say I'm voting? For this person, in spite of the media, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I sure. think everyone has different different directions or different uh, points of view when it comes to making that decision because they might let the media sit, tell them not to vote for that person or to vote, but then social media would do a whole another one eighty on you because if you go online, I know like the places I visit, you would think Bernie Sanders was going to take over the world if you go to the place where I hang out on the internet. Mm-hmm. But then in reality, and I know, and I learned this through the, the 2016 campaign is you really, no one really knows. Like there's just no way to really project it unless, you know, something, you know, the guy got shot or something like that. Cause I don't really know. I feel that people are really protecting their, the right of secret ballot more. And I think that happened in 16, which is why the polls were predicting a Hillary Clinton landslide. Cause I think people are afraid to come out and saying, but they voted for not her. Because it was just, that's just the sense I got that, who would you vote for? Uh, Hillary, even though they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to be run out of town with pitchforks and, and torches. Sure. Uh, so when you have a, a favorite or a perceived favorite, yeah. and that's where I think the shock came. And so I think maybe the same thing with Bernie. I think the media loved, well, Bernie sells headlines. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, you know, <laughs> Biden's gaffes. They're right up there with, uh, what's his name, you think, Quail's gaffes. You, you know, they're yeah. harmless on the most part, but they're, yeah. they're the good for a late-night joke, but they're not going to sell Washington Post newspapers. Right. So that's well, one thing, and, like, my dad, he's not very political, but he likes to read a lot, and when he, he likes history. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me, he, he, well, he basically questioned, because this is what you got to question is, who has the money when it comes to these campaigns? And he was explaining to me, I don't know if he's right or not, but he was explaining to me one of the things that protected Trump during the 2016 is he spent a lot of his own money. So he didn't really have to depend on the RNC's backing as much as some of the other political candidates yep. had to depend on it. And sure. then that really helped him get over the humps that really were the hard humps. And then the same thing in 2016 for the, the Democrats was something about 
the money wasn't there enough to where it could support the several candidates. And so did Hillary Clinton help fund? She, she funded the DNC. The, the Clinton Foundation funded the DNC for... Is that a known thing or is that a conspiracy theory? No, it's a thing. Because I feel like it's a conspiracy theory. But like, and that, because that's important to know. It's not illegal. Well, I know, but he, he's more saying it's important to know where the money is going because someone's either going to collect on it or it's going to be mo- motivated by who where the money is. So, do you think Bernie Sanders could have been a better off candidate if he just ran as an independent? Because I feel like a lot of people follow him in a sense of money wise. They'll donate money just to him, yeah, not to a Biden, not to a Hillary. And that's one thing I always confused me. I was like, why doesn't this guy just do what he's been doing? Just go independent. And try to make the movement happen without the blessing of the DNC, which, I mean, I don't think, I think in today's politics, it's a chance you don't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the unfortunate thing about the way our system works is that your best chance is to be with a party. Yeah, independents don't get in, elected. Independents typically don't do well, especially at the national level. Yeah. And and, and that's part exactly. of the... That's well, part you think of that's the, why we're seeing the result here? Because to me... You know, absorbing this election cycle, I feel like if he ran as an independent, he'd still end up pretty much the same. Well, because I think, he's so polarizing. Well, I'll with take the you other back people. to Perot. He's so I mean, he's so polarizing with the other people who are he's running against in the same party. If there was like, a unifying figure that ran as an independent, I would vote for that person. I just all the candidates to me, very few talk about what they would do or wish to do. Very few talk about who the incumbent, how they suck, or how the their opponents suck, or how the nation sucks. <clears throat> and so the, I, I think just across the board, there's just no unifying figure, like, at all. Well, I mean, granted, it'd be a difficult race, but I'm just saying if I was Bernie Sanders, I would have been... Because that way your money can stick yeah. with you even after the race. Sure. And he already has that base that really don't care if he's a Democrat or not. He might, he might kind of shave off a few votes from the Democratic Party, but I think... Mm-hmm his outreach would get those people one way or another, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, he, I mean, it doesn't surprise me he runs with the party, right? I mean, um, especially at the national level. Because first of all, if you're in Congress, regardless of, of, of which house you're in, the House or the Senate, uh, if you're an independent, you caucus with the Democrats, right? So... Um, you have to? That's how it typically works. Okay. Um, and yeah, if I can pipe in, yeah. uh, Brett says no candidate, no candidate unaligned with the national party has won the presidential election since the Twelfth Amendment pass, was passed in eighteen oh four. So we're coming up to two uh, hundred years. Yeah, but you know of, the world's changing. Well, uh, well, it does. But look, I mean, you look at other countries, you know, democratic countries with free elections, and and they might have. 12 different parties vying oh, I've for seen Brit- power, right? I lived in England with the British Parliament, and, and it's a nightmare. And so Sounds the Parliament's fun. an interesting way to do business. It's very different than how, how ours works, um, you know. And, and the truth is, again, I, and I'm sure I've said this a million times on, on this, uh, and this with you guys, <laughs> is that the majority of the country is in the center. Yeah. Whether they're left or right, they're still moderates in the center because mm-hmm. most, you know, most people... When you look at the world, the world is not black or white. It's not blue or red, if I put it in that context. Um, there's things that are good on both sides. Um, and especially when you come to the primaries, the primaries is a really specific, interesting animal in, in and of itself because typical primary voters are the voters that are on the fringe ends of both parties, the centric voters 
uh, are typically not primary voters, which is why when you see primary races going on, especially at you know local level and, and state level, um, they can get very radical kind of extreme to, to what they're saying and trying to win mm-hmm. that demographic of people that actually vote in the primary. And you often see that once the primary is over, whoever the winner is, a lot of those folk tend to kind of come back to the center because they know in a general election, you, you most in most cases, you can't stay on the far fringes and win. Um, so, so that's what you kind of see in, in general. And, and, you know, unfortunately, it's come to a place. I mean, I've been asked a million times why I've never run as an independent because of the way I think. And, and the bottom line is, is Texas, Texas makes it very hard to run as an independent, number one. And number two, just the same conversation, right? It's, it's, it's a lot harder to, to run um, with any success uh, without being aligned with, with one of the parties. And just because you align yourself with one of the parties doesn't mean you agree with every single thing that party puts out there. I mean, this is something that, again, the world is not black and white. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why I always encourage people to come uh, talk to me and ask me questions or send me questions about what, what issues concern you and, and ask me the question. Don't assume you know the answer that's going to come out of my mouth just because I align myself on a, on a ballot with the Democratic Party. Um, because most people, especially during my last campaign for county judge, I think a lot of people were surprised when they came up and asked me questions about certain things and what answer came mm-hmm. out of my mouth. You know, I mean, uh, I'm fortunate in my life that I was in the military. The military gives you a very well-rounded view of people in general. I led people from every walk of life, from every political walk of life, and I didn't care about any of that. What I cared about was building a team and making us work cohesively together to accomplish a mission. And, and I don't look at politics, in my opinion, as any different. I mean, again, I mean, if I'm ever fortunate to win one of these races that I run in, I mean, I know that I'm elected to represent everybody that lives in that district that I'm mm-hmm. running for, not just one side. And, and so for me, you have to be able to be somebody that can work across the aisle. You can listen to anybody's ideas. And, and you know, my biggest thing is I want those ideas to be fact-based, Facts do still matter. The truth still matters. So I want I want those ideas to be fact-based. And if they're good ideas, it doesn't matter to me what side of the aisle they come on. Does it benefit the majority of the people that live in that district? And if that's the case, then that's a that's a good thing. And and because you know that's what it should be about. That's what elected officials are supposed to do. They're supposed to you know as it, with the least intrusiveness into people's lives as possible, uh, create a life that is good for everybody. Um, and I say everybody, again, you're not going to please everybody. But, but that should be the goal. The goal should not be, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Democrat, so I'm, I'm not going to listen to anybody else. Which is why I've always said, also, if I ever get elected, that I will hold, you know, open public town halls all the time throughout the district that anybody can come to and ask me a question. I'm never going to screen questions, and I would never do something like that because everyone's voice is important to me because um, you can get some good ideas. And, and that's what I hate about politics today is there's so many people that will not do things like that. They won't hold public town halls. They well, won't do those come really do... even shape anything in that politician that makes them a better politician? I mean, because to me, it's, it's a two-way street when you say that kind of stuff because <clears throat> I know you will respond mm-hmm. coming my way after I come your way about, mm-hmm. you know, my concerns. Sure. And that's the way I like it. But I think a lot of people who don't do that is because they're not, they, they aren't that kind of person. They don't. They don't, poli- or 
what do you want to say? They don't run their own politics that way. Yeah. They don't they don't care. They don't want to respond that way. They'll right. figure out another avenue. Sure. And, you know, they'll 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 go on Twitter and talk about it instead sure. of doing it. I mean, like, no, I think that's it. how do people govern and that's how they decide to govern. But I I respond better to people like you yeah. who's who are available. Well, it's better and, to represent someone if you can understand where they're coming from and <clears throat> you know, as a republic, we have to uh, oh, there's that quote in 1776 that a representative uh, owes their um, has to put their own smarts in the equation, mm-hmm. so they just don't go with the popular. Well, and I think, sure. 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 I think there's a big disconnection too because I wouldn't mind talking about the local election that happened here, uh, but I think there's a huge disconnection when you start getting to those larger races. Mm-hmm. That like you know, if you go to to be in the uh, United States Senate and above. It's like I don't. I have no connection with those people who run, who are supposed to represent me here, mm-hmm. because I don't think, like you said, I, I, I don't think there's a platform to build that relationship. Mm-hmm. Because it, the, that guy to me didn't, or girl didn't seem interested in me unless I have money, mm-hmm. or I have a big business that employs a lot of people, yeah. or I'm part of a union that is in charge of a lot of people. Yeah, like basically, I have to have people behind me to be seen by that big of a person. Mm-hmm. And but then again, my problems aren't really that big of a deal. Well, what what goes hand in hand with that is a lot of uh, voters, unfortunately, don't have a working knowledge of positions in government. For sure, um, you know, Mrs. Skippy many moons ago worked for a congressman and would field calls all day long, and the vast majority of these calls had nothing to do with a congressperson's duties whatsoever yeah. mm-hmm. and so she'd have to have this list of agencies to go you want to call here you want to call here um and so you can say well so-and-so is my congressman or so-and-so is my senator or state senator but there's just uh, i think a severe lack of knowledge of what does a what's a senator versus a state senator mm-hmm. and what, what are the differences you know are you in charge of my school books Right. You know, why are you meeting every other, you know? Yeah. And well, like the bathroom thing. I remember that was a big deal. <laughs> and I feel like every person who's any politician got asked that question. And they were in char- and everyone was in charge oh, yeah, of politicians it. Politicians asked if they preferred boxes or briefs. Well, so, no, I meant know. more of like they're the ones that are going to solve it. Because no one really knew where to ask that question to. Mm-hmm. Like what, what form of government or what person in position of power. So like every political person running had to respond to something about a bathroom. And it's just kind of like, all right, well, what's actually? How do we get a result? How do, what's the real route to get yeah. this done? Instead of asking the local mayor here about it or something, I don't know if the local mayor can really do anything about it, but <laughs> I imagine they could. Couldn't city council do something about it? City ordinances can. Yeah, they can, can do something about it. If we can remember the hero ordinance that got voted down in, mm-hmm. in Houston, which one was several, that? Several what's years that? ago. The, that, that was the Houston uh, Equal Rights oh, okay. Ordinance. Was that the bathroom thing? And that turned yeah, into, that a, a, bathroom. It, it turned into yeah. a bathroom, quote-unquote okay. bathroom bill. Interesting. But see, I think, that's the, I think that's a big issue, too, especially if you live... Imagine living in a big city, mm-hmm. like the disconnect you have with your politicians. And, that, and I know the young group, they, they like the progressive movement, but then again, I just don't see the connection you're going to develop over the years with a person... Like here, Kevin Brady's been here for like twenty years or something like that. I know he's developed a lot of reputation, a lot of relationships with the older folks. But I wonder what I wonder what his camp is saying. How do we, if we want to keep running, mm-hmm. how do I connect to the younger people moving in and those kind of things? Yeah. 
Because I think that's really... Well, a lot of it's institutional. is like firefighters. You know, my grandfather voted this party. My father voted. My great-grandfather voted this party. I'm going to vote yeah, this party. Yeah, but I think the, the tools we have available today to educate ourselves is diversifying people's beliefs and thoughts as they grow. I really, I mean, I think they're going to, everyone's going to have a unique opinion and they're going to be able to voice it every single time on social media. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think the, the unions and things like that who have power over like, Hey, everyone make sure to vote, you know, Republican or Democrat. I don't think those things are going to have that much of a hold maybe here because Montgomery County is still kind of, I would call old school when you get the small town feel and you have the the parties to loosen their holds. I guess that's the best way I can phrase it. Well, I, I mean, for me, it's, it's you know, uh, the thing about Montgomery County, in my opinion, is that, you know, there, there haven't been contested races. You know, 2018 was really the first time you had a lot of contested races in Montgomery County, and it had been decades since, since we've had that in, in, in a magnitude. There might have been a one-off here and there in the past, but 2018, you had, you know, 10, whatever it was, contested races at the local level, something that has not happened in Montgomery County for years. And, and, you know, I know that contested races, no matter who wins, makes for better politicians. Um, because for far too long in this county, you know, people that get elected, uh, they'd rest on their laurels because they didn't get challenged. The, the races here were all uh, uh, well, like, answered in the primary. Yeah, that's, what, that's why right? I was saying I wouldn't mind and talking so about So the general election stuff. didn't mean anything, right? And, I mean, I, when I went to the polls... Um, to vote myself. And I was talking to, to folks that were out in the parking lot. And of course I go on the side of the County where I live. So we, you know, we don't get accosted like they do over here, like <laughs> in the woodlands. Um, is there like one location in the woodlands that is the crazy one? Two. There's two. Yeah. The main one is, uh, Why the is one there next so much door excitement to down the there, not up here. You, you figure up here. That's where a majority of, you know, I'll call it the tea party faction. That's where the majority oh, of the them money hang people, out because the that's money where the, people. That's, that's where, where they the majority, reside. That's where the majority of the votes actually get cast in the County. Really? So, um, they don't even go, I can tell you in 2018, um, you know, my opponent in 2018, he was at South County, pretty much one of those two locations in the woodlands every day. He never went around. Um, you know, he, he had, um, you know, his chief of staff that would be up in Conroe, but you know, he didn't go to the other locations because that's where all the people were and didn't bother to, to actually work his way around to the different locations. And so, you know, but anyway, I was having this kind of, you know, I, 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 and then on my side of the County, thankfully we can have civil conversations in the parking lot and not get accosted or anything, which I really do appreciate. Um, but the bottom line is I had a talk with, with one guy and, and I told him, I said, you know, it's difficult for me sometimes to, to what I'm going to vote, whether I'm going to vote in the Republican or the Democratic primary. I said, because for me, when there are no Democrats on your local elections, and I still believe local elections are the most important elections because they're the ones that can fit your pocketbook tomorrow. Federal usually can't do that. The state takes longer. And so they're the most important. But if I want to have a say in who gets elected in my local elections, then I really have to vote in the Republican primary because there's no Democratic challengers. So if I want to say, I have to do it. I don't have a choice, right? So, you know, and of course in this county, you know, there's, there's repercussions to that, right? I mean, the, the way a, a, a but, precinct gets delegated is based on how Democrats and Republicans vote during the primary. So whether that precinct is blue or red is based on votes in the primary, and so when you don't have contested races, you're going to have a lot of Democrats that vote in the Republican primary, and everyone goes, oh, look how red it is. Well, really, it's not that red, but there's no choice. Yeah. 
That makes right? sense. I didn't think about that. So what? I know it's been known to happen. That's a shock. You haven't thought of something. <clears throat> I know, hard to believe. But I, I will say that I love the civil discourse, <clears throat> and I'm on the record that when I do win the presidency, eventually I'm going to invite Jay to be on my cabinet. Great, um, because we I reach across the it. aisle just fine and dandy. It's coming up to the top of the hour. It's nine fifty-eight. Why don't we take a break? We're going to come back. We're going to keep the conversation going as well as talk about something that's near and dear to our hearts, which is suicide prevention. So we will be back. Don't go away. Business office cleaning is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. With scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning, Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Are you one of those who feel that life is too short to drink bad coffee? Then come to Beanpong Coffee. Beanpong Coffee is open with two locations. Whether you're in downtown Conroe or historic Montgomery, we have the best fresh brewed and specialty coffee, delicious pastries, and courteous staff. Come visit us at 330 North Main Street in Conroe or 401 College Street, Suite 170 in Montgomery. Visit beanpongcoffee.com see our complete list of special events. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Have a legal question? Are you a resident of Montgomery County? Call 281-645-6344 to talk to a volunteer attorney from the Woodlands Bar Association. We answer the phones on the first Monday of every month at 281-645-6344 from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. to provide general legal information and information about legal resources to Montgomery County residents. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe, and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Hey, 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 1001 on the dot here. 70 degrees outside and muggy. Feels a little uh, feels a little warm. I got smart yesterday. I had to, uh, It was time to renew my energy plan yeah. uh, for my provider. And apparently the, the program I'd had been on, which gave me miles... Uh, no longer exists, so mm. I had to look at the, and I'd had that for like five years. So I had to look through my possibilities and came up with one 
that it's it's not free nights and weekends, but it's discounted nights and weekends because. You're, you're you're that kind of person, aren't you? Oh, I, I will get it done. So, will you have like a light that's on? I'm just for yeah. for the energy free energy time. Like, hey, what? Free well, energy. Turn, I, turn the AC. I'm up. just jealous because he has a choice. <laughs> right. I don't have a choice. Really. Right? And again, that goes back to competition. That that's that's the thing. If I didn't like what I saw there, I could have called, you know, Entergy or someone else. Yeah. I think I had two or three options, but I chose that because Mrs. Skippy. Whom I love with you everything, totally but it's post menopausal. No, it's her. It's I'll come out, you know, she she leaves before me, I'll go out and turn off this light, and I'll turn off this light, and I'll turn off this fan, this fan. At night, she loves cranking the AC like down to sub zero and then getting under blankets. I don't get that. But I I, I can't sleep at night during the summer because my head has got this running meter going. That's another twenty cents. Yeah. That's another dollar. <laughs> well, with this, now she can I told her it's like, don't go bonkers. But now, you know, after 8 o'clock, it's, remember the old days when we'd wait on our cell phones for 8 <laughs> o'clock to roll around so we could get the nighttime minutes yeah. uh, cost? Same thing. It's like the second 8 o'clock rolls around, you, you just knock that AC down to your heart's content, honey. So. I mean, their marketing worked. It did. It did. Yeah, That definitely worked. And it's like all weekend long, we're going to watch all the TV. Don't watch TV you today. Should, you should call him. Be like, I got a commercial idea. Have his, you know, the significant other be the one who messes with the AC but doesn't really think <laughs> about it. I'm like, I'm just so cheap. And on, on you, you have a little bubble, the thought bubble of the money. And you're like, you're just looking, you're like, turn it off, turn it off. And then the, the end joke is your clapper broke. And that's why it's all started. Right. Because you're unable to turn off and on your things. <laughs> During the summer, enough. you know, because I work from my home a lot, and I'll, I'll keep the AC or the thermostat set at, like, 80 to 82 and just deal with it with the fans because I'm just so – I'm tired of seeing my bill skyrocket. Yeah. And that's why I hold it against my wife when she comes home and cranks the AC down. It's like, I've been suffering all day. <laughs> you can suffer like me. So now we don't, have, <laughs> now we don't have to suffer as much. Well, let's talk about the local election real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, I don't mind at all. We're, we, I'm looking at the Courier, which is really the only place I found the results. I couldn't find on mctx.org such election. What, the? The results. Yeah. There's, scroll down. There's a thing that says, get results here. Oh, well, I missed that, that one. Button. So maybe uh, just FYI, make it a big button. So 100% <laughs> of the precincts have reported in, but uh, not all mail-in ballots have been counted yet, I don't think. But I really doubt that there's going to be a surprise. Anything. Well, locally, I mean, it looks like the, everyone figured what was going to happen happened because most of the, like you said, it's Republican heavy here. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, the, I don't think the only thing they said about the Democratic race was – Let's see the, uh, ch- ch- I guess the chairman. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a close race, I guess. That's the, I'm, I'm, that's the one when they really talk about. But then again, it's the courier. They probably just only want the juicy stuff. And uh, the biggest surprise to me was Eric Yalek, who was supposed to be on our show. Now we actually have an opportunity to get him back on the show because he's going to a runoff in May. Yeah. So uh, the polarizing Yalek. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun, right? Uh, that sounds like Trump right there. Polarizing Yalek. <laughs> no, I had no be polarizing Eric. See, he missed my joke last time we were talking about him. I had a good one. It was like pamphlet Yalek or something like that. Or what? something about his pamphlets, you know, little thing. No, and I, I had it. I had like doorknob Yalek. I'm trying to figure it. I'll, I'll remember it, and then I'll come back, <laughs> I'll come back with it. But uh, well, locally, I, I don't really see anything that it affects the county too much. Do you see anybody here that, in your opinion, is like, Oh no! This is we should be moving from Montgomery County. It's the end. Well, I think that <laughs> it's the end. 
Uh, I don't Armageddon. think any, I don't think any of that will lead to that. But um, you know, I, I the results. I mean, that was probably the most surprising one. The yeah. one the one you just talked about. Not to all me, of this but, is a judicial and not necessarily. It's it's not a legislative. But you have to run seat. as a Republican, right? Yeah, for some reason it's So still, judicial races in Texas are partisan races, and I don't that, necessarily that agree with that. We know. It is what it is. But anyway, um, but that one's going to a runoff, right? I mean, you know, I've obviously known Eric for a few years. <laughs> the great I, Santini's running against him? Yep. I've, I've certainly uh, had articles written about me by, uh, by, the Mr. Golden by Mr. Yalek. I, and, I really wanted... And I, I really wanted to make a comment where he got endorsed by the Golden Hammer and he makes a social media post. He did post. get endorsed by <laughs> the Well, I know. And I'm like... I, That's I, why ownership so, was transferred. Well, I know. I get I get the whole thing. But All it's right. just kind of funny to me, like, how on the nose that is. And I'm like, I don't know if he's laughing <laughs> or, or he's... Bloomberg channels? Uh, well, that, well, yes. Like, if if Bloomberg Weekly or whatever said Bloomberg for president... We like endorsed actually, Bloomberg. Endorsed, that, that, to me, would be hilarious. Well, that awkward so, moment when your own newspaper doesn't endorse you. Oh, does that newspaper even endorse people? What? Does Bloomberg? Yeah, I believe so. I don't say why not. Oh. It's a newspaper. Nothing illegal uh, to endorse your publisher. But no, I just found that kind of funny. It was, it, I, would, it, I, I would, that's why I love, I want to get him on because I want to ask him those questions. Like, are you serious about that? Or are you more of like, oh, it's just kind of a joke to get people like riled up? Because I could see that too. But uh, he's running against uh, Santini. Santini. In the, and in the runoff. The, the vote, though, that's one thing I don't really understand. If someone can explain it to me about how he uh, w- he won with, or it was a first place with 37%, and Santini had 25 Is it anything above 25 No. You go into a runoff? So if, no, you have, under 50. if there are more than two people in a race, okay. then if one of those candidates, whether it's three or whether it's 10, okay. if one of those candidates doesn't get, Fifty percent plus one. Okay. Total and, total and, vote. An outright win with greater than fifty percent, then the top two go to a runoff. The so top two. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel so, oh, okay. So okay. you'll see some races throughout. Ooh, there were. Not, ooh. So you'll see. I mean, if you if you look at the constable race, precinct four constable race, there was three of them in the race, but the winner won with seventy something percent of the vote because I feel he's sorry over fifty. For, uh, Clyde Vogel, who's in number, in the constable two, he uh, got third with twenty four. And the guy said got twenty five, <laughs> so I guess they're doing a runoff. So sometimes it, yep. gets, it gets down to it. Yep. I mean that's and so the runoff. How, in your opinion, how how much how many people really go out to those things? Because it's like I think the runoff is like May twenty eighth. Yeah. Something so like the, that. Turn, the turnout for I mean the turnout for primaries is ridiculously low. Okay. We should be ashamed of what our turnout is in primaries. We should be ashamed of what our turnout is in general elections, quite frankly, but. Well, um, well, and you can imagine we'll runoffs, about that in the yeah, runoffs. It be North Korea where there's 100% so, voting. I mean, it's I, even worse. I think what's strange about it, too, I think it's more of a publicity thing. Because when runoffs happen, the only people who really know about it are the people who are paying attention to the politics yep. of the area. That's why the term so is so if I'm Channel 2 or Lone Star Community Radio, what can we do as the media? Do, we, do you think we just do a Mike Bloomberg-type message where we're on 24-7 talking about, like, hey, don't forget – Runoffs May twenty. I think it's May twenty. Let me double check. Well, Maybe I should know my facts before we start promoting it, right? Well, some people. I mean, the truth is, there's people that are interested in politics and they pay attention to politics, and there's people, quite honestly, that don't care, and and don't pay any attention to May politics. Well, I think there's a third. And, <clears throat> I'll throw a third option into that. There are those. Uh, how can I phrase this? When I direct a show, the first thing I do when I talk to the actors, 
I'm going to say, I, I break down the difference between upstage and downstage and stage left and stage right. If you're an actor, you know this. Unless you're one of those actors that just made it through and never asked the question, and now it's too late to ask. It's like the, the person you've known for 10 years, but you can't remember their name. <laughs> that barrier has been hit where you can no longer say, dude, sorry, I forgot your name. Well, that's um, the drinking. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so, so, but the first thing I do is, you know, I say, listen, I'm going to pre- pretend that one of you just has <clears> made it this far and doesn't know and is embarrassed <clears> to ask. So this is downstage and this is why. And it puts everyone at ease. I think the media, uh, people, they don't know about it. You know, you can think people who voted, let's say, in this judicial race did not vote for y'all. It's like, well, my guy didn't win, so screw it. No, because more people didn't vote for the leader yeah. than did. And if votes are consolidated or, you know, uh, it can go both ways. I think what they should do is whoever, whoever runs, puts time in, those are their votes. And if they get third place, they can just give them to somebody. Well, someone's asked me, and, and you might know this. Mm-hmm. Let's say That's people voted illegal, for, uh, I, I voted for Bloomberg. Now he's out or, or whomever. Mm-hmm. Where does my money go? Or not, not voted for. I, I donated to. Where does that money go? Does that stay in their war chest, or does that go to the DNC? I don't think it goes to the party. No, it stays. It? it stays in there. So when you run it at the federal level like that, you know, it's not like local level, right? Like local level, I just have to file some paperwork and open a separate bank account and yeah. and and keep track of it, right? Put in a high yield CD and, and uh, yeah. Which, an well, you going. can you can invest campaign money. Uh, really? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, if you're waiting two years for something, I did not know that. Yeah, it's it's. So what are the big dogs? It, it's do? reportable. Um, but the bottom line is, uh, they have to set up PACs. So it's funny how they always talk about PACs, especially on the Democratic side. They're but evil. The, but the truth is, every federal campaign has to set up a PAC. That's where you donate your money to. So when uh, you see something like, you know, so and so for Congress, it's a PAC. Yeah. That's what you're, that's what you're, it's their PAC and only for them. So it's to, a receiving entity. It's the receiving entity. Yeah. So I should tell right? everyone that gives me and so they can, packs, so like they you're donating to a pack. They keep that money in there, and then you know there's rules. If there's money left over after a campaign ends, somebody gets out or whatever, then then they can keep the money in there for uh, whatever. They can trans. They can donate to other candidates. They can. They can do certain things with that. So money. So it's up and to the person in charge of that. It is pack. It is. The and more times, well, and more times than not, by the way, in those types of campaigns, especially at the national level, there's usually not a whole lot of money left over, especially if you're dropping out of a race. Because usually the reason yeah, you're you dropping lose, out of the race is because yeah. you don't have money. Yeah. And Dick raised a good point, you know, because someone can say, "Oh, you donated to a pack," but that's like to me, that's like um, GMOs. Oh, you're GMOs. Well, GMOs. Well, that'd be kind of a Africa. funny thing on the debate stage. Well, we all working there's with the chemicals pack. well there's chemicals and everything it's how you arrange the chemicals so yeah a pack is just a receiving entity for money it's not necessarily an evil thing like so corporations they're not all to, evil to me at the at the local level you know i know a lot of these national politicians talk about well you know it's grassroots and you know hundreds of thousands of people and donate five bucks if you can well you know at the local level you really can't sustain a campaign by going hey grassroots folks donate five bucks to my campaign yeah, because for sure because those you know 500 people can't support your campaign at five bucks a piece when you you don't have a pool of hundreds of thousands or millions of people to, to pull in. And so, you know, for me, from a local level, I mean, again, I'll say it again. Citizens United has destroyed our political I don't know who conversation. That who are um, they? That, that's what really has allowed corporations to inject so much money into politics. That was a Supreme Court decision. Is that decision. like a rule? And it's, it's, it's really uh, 
been bad for politics, and we wonder why there's so much money in politics. It's because of Citizens United. That's part of the big. What reason. is Citizens United? Basically, that allow that that allows a corporation to donate tons of money directly into uh, politi- politi- political campaigns. And obviously, there's rules on different things, right? So, donating donating money to a federal candidate, there's limits, no matter who you are. Um, donating money to PACs, there's usually limits. Uh, but super PACs are t- completely... For a presidential campaign, isn't it like a $2,500 individual? T- 28. Cap, 28. So the federal limit's 2800 per election cycle. So the primary and the general are considered two different election cycles. So technically... Oh, so you can do it twice. You can do it twice. Okay. Um, now, at the local level in Texas, there are no caps. There are no limits. So I could... Somebody... Look, Mike Bloomberg could give you a million dollars. Yes. And it's perfectly. Can legal. Mike Bloomberg give you a million and bucks for your campaign? Per- yes, I think he ran legal. out of money. Yeah. Oh, he's got the money. I think he's got the money. But the bottom line is, there's no limits. So you know, an entity, even an LLC, a business, uh, can donate money to local campaigns, right? So, and I talked about this in the county judge race, right? So you see a lot of these engineering companies, which are typically LLCs, donate tons of money to county commissioners and the county judge. Right, and then they're, you know, and the perception sometimes is that, well, he made a fifty thousand dollar donation, so what's he getting for it, and who's getting these contracts from the county, right? So, so there's a lot of problems with it, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the rules are just different on how how things work, but uh, there's too much money in politics to begin with. Now, are um, you saying that in a sense of it takes too much money to politic, or is it more because of because of the way the rules are set up? Now, and I'm not saying the person with the most money wins. Obviously, we know that from last night, quite frankly, on the Democratic side. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, campaigns have to raise enough money to be competitive yeah. because you have to be able to get your your platform out to people so you can get in front of people. And if, if you can't raise the money, um, you know, then, then it's difficult to do that. So, If um, I may, it also gets down to if you're incapable of getting the support to get enough money to run a campaign – then you don't have the support to maintain your tenure as a as an office holder. Well, that makes sense. Well, if I bo- can't get fifty people to give me money, I can't get fifty people to vote for me. Or- well, can you see how much money a politician's taking? Yeah. Well, yeah. You look at their campaign finance yeah, report. Now, like when they do a campaign financial report, is that the pack they started, and that's their funds? So they have to file wh- whoever their filing entity is, right? So whether it's the Federal Election Commission or the Texas Election Commission, or your local elections office, depending on the office you're running for, you have to file a campaign finance report, and that's the amount of money your campaign entity has taken in for that period, and you have to report what you took in and what you paid out. Um, So what happens if, like, hypothetically, I start my own PAC, and I'm not running, but you're running, and I support whatever you do, Mm -hmm. but I'm not technically under your arm? Like, you don't tell me what to do in mm-hmm. the sense of what kind of ads can I make or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm just a gun-ho, and I'm going to spend, That's you know, why you have... And you can go do whatever you want, right? Yeah. You can you can spend however much money you want, even at the federal level, right? So so when you see a commercial on TV, that uh, it'll say at the end who's paying for you that commercial. You have to say, I approve this, it's the Hatch Act that came in. So that. it may not be, and the truth is, it may not even be the candidate that's saying, I'm approved this message. It may be an organization that created a commercial, put it on TV, but at the end of it, they have to be very explicit that this ad was produced by whatever the organizational yeah. entity is, not, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and that and that's how, you know, you see 
organizations that spend millions and millions well, of dollars because they they do ads, they do these things. So it doesn't they're giving they're basically giving that to whoever candidate they're supporting, but they're mm -hmm. not donating that well, money that's what I'm to saying, the it's candidate. Because one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was the overall perception of uh, campaign uh, interference mm -hmm. or political interference. And I know there's different types of it and there's different lines that are like, this is absolutely illegal. This is gray. <laughs> this, you know, this is black and white area. And yeah. like to me, that example I gave, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people mover. I'm a fundraiser, but I'm not going to give you this money. I I'm going to do it myself because I want to support you. Mm -hmm. Would that be considered election interfering? Like, say you're running against my buddy Sean, or not my the guy I hate, and I'm like, I'm gonna make all these ads against this dude. Mm -hmm. And well, that's the flip side. You can I can start a pack and say he sleeps with goats, you know. Yeah. Well, and the person going, uh, the person that you're trying to help can be saying, oh, it's like Comey just uh, uh, threw his uh, endorsement behind Biden, and Biden's chief uh, uh, campaign manager turns and says. We want to give it back. We don't want your endorsement. I mean, seriously, it's like, don't help us. Well, I mean, like, would that be considered election interfering? No. 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 Not under, not under now, the rules. Now, we were talking about this, I think, on uh, the last show, is I was seeing people, like, in other countries raising money for candidates here. Mm -hmm. They were doing the canvassing, they were calling, doing all that kind of stuff, but they weren't citizens of the United States. Comrades for Bernie? Would that be considered? <laughs> that's illegal. That's illegal. So why would that be illegal and what I'm doing over here raising money? That applies quid pro quo. How does that apply quid pro quo? Because the people raising money for you can aren't supposed to benefit because they can't vote for or against that person. So So you can't you can't directly contribute money to a political candidate in the United States unless you're a U.S. citizen. But they're not. What happens if they do, they're giving it to me, my pack, not your pack? Well, you can do whatever you want. So I can hire people across the world because, you know. You can get Russian agents sure. to say that, you know, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, we need, we need 40,000 phone calls made this week. How many yeah. people we need to hire? Uh-huh. Okay, so because I'm trying to like, I kind of understand. If you're a standalone, if you're a standalone entity and you you are not uh, running for anything, you're just going to raise money and do whatever you want yeah. with it. Then, okay, go for it. So, why are you asking these questions, Dick? You're scaring me. <laughs> it's a nervous, bit. right? Yeah. Well, no, I'm trying to understand because there's we talk about you know the Russia Russians want this person to win. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, that means everyone has an opinion, right? Like, imagine you're some famous foreign leader. And you go, I go on my Twitter and I say, you know what? Biden's the coolest guy ever. Vote for that guy. Would that not be considered election interfering? Because he has a lot of power over there. And, like, say it's a state or a country that has a lot of immigrants in our country that still You don't want another country's leader endorsing to over, well, someone because it's the, like a lawyer shouldn't ask a question, but they don't well, have the answer to I can see to. it happening, though. You don't want to throw your support behind someone who doesn't win. Then there's that awkward moment when at a state dinner. Yeah, but, I mean, I think that's politics. There's politics and there's diplomacy. <laughs> okay, but does that make sense? Like, is that that's not illegal? Well, I mean, the bo the bottom line is is that what what we don't want is we don't want. Is, there's a difference between you know Joe Smith who happens to be English and lives in England, who wants to you know he supports whoever yeah, he pays attention here. to American politics. Yeah, right. He's just Joe Smith. Um, and there's a difference between that and entities that either have direct connection or are in foreign governments that are trying to sway uh, 
what happens Foreign in politics elections. yeah in 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 the United States those because well, those because we were oh, I remember both the, are illegal by the way because you can't directly contribute money to a candidate okay right but you can um, do it to other like that's how they do it today and this Illegally. is when, when that you hear stuff about dark money and all that kind of stuff this is this is that's what, how it's done you know because somebody from you know wherever can donate to a super PAC yeah right and a super PAC can spend money on whatever mm-hmm. they want whatever they want to and and so it's the financial um so when you say standard. money in politics do you also mean those but you those still things? have to disclose even if you're an organization you still yeah. have to disclose what you're spending your where money where you're getting your money from yeah but then no one cares it's, it's blood diamonds that's what i'm getting <laughs> do people care but it, again it's that financial standard because for instance like there's a british uh late night you know they have their version of, of jimmy kimmel and okay. stuff and, and it's graham norton is the big one and his opening monologue frequently makes fun of American politics. It's funny. So many other countries make fun of American politics and p- political leaders that we, like, who are you? It's like when I was in New Mexico once, I found out New Mexicans really hate Texans. And I think what really made them mad is that Texans are like, who, wait, who are you? <laughs> we, didn't even, you know, we don't even know that New Mexico exists for the most part. So it's like one-sided fight. And so it's not illegal for Graham Norton to make fun of pre- President Bash, yeah. whoever it is, uh, but Graham Norton can't give money, money to a political, for to a, an American politician because since he can't vote, again, and I know quid pro quo as Brett rightly pointed out, it's not necessary to some be guilty of foreign influence. But it, the implication is that you know, I since I don't you you're not representing me, I can't vote for you, and you don't represent me. Why am I giving you money? Well, obviously it's because of the expectation of something in return. Okay, so. that makes sense. Because I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around the, where we're going with technology, and then the way we all interact in the world. Because that's one thing I was seeing was there was a lot of voices being on social media about mm-hmm. supporting a Bernie Sanders or you know those kind of things. And I'm like, I wonder why they're like no one's really considering that election interfering. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's I mean I think uh, there's a lot of ways people know the rules because they're written and they're when you're when they're written. You well, there's a growth thing. Them. It's a gray area. You know, whenever you have an increase in a technology, like social media, ten yeah. years ago, they're just what we have now. Same thing with the copyright laws changed drastically with the invention of the Xerox machine. Uh, when yeah, you write how law, easy it was just to copy a book. Well, that's what I'm saying. In the old days, I, I would actually copy out a couple of books by hand. There was this. J.R. Way too much. Book. I did. Way too much time. I hand. did. Now, now you can just you know take a picture with your phone. So they actually had to change copyright. Copyright Act was from 1953 all the way into the 80s. It hadn't been changed because you didn't need to. And all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, now we have, you know, the mimeograph is gone. Now we have. And now it's just whatever. Yeah. Well, they had to rearrange and rearrange, and then of course as people live longer, well, I mean, copyright laws had to change too. In no the more book burning here. Listen, we're getting up on 10.30, and yeah. I want to talk about um, uh, Jay's other topic here. Well, hold on. let's, five minutes, explain how you end spending money in politics. <laughs> Is that, like, how do you do? You just change the rule? Because you said that's one thing he doesn't like. I'm like, all right, well, how do you solve it? Do you just make more well, rules? you have to spend money. Yeah, I don't think it's, uh, I mean, to me, it's not a... You said, oh, sorry, unfortunately, take money out of politics. It's, it's, it's not a matter of eliminating money in politics. I don't think you're going to ever eliminate money in politics. That's not going to happen. It's just a matter of, um, you know, who can actually inject money into politics, right? Because when you have multi-billion-dollar corporations that are free to go inject millions of dollars, versus, yeah. you know, I could start twenty packs, and then 
donate as much as I can to each of those. You know, and then and then my next door neighbor who you know can't do that, right? Yeah. I mean, so so how do, how do you do? Getting rid of Citizens United is the first step. So what right? is Citizens I mean, United? Though? Is that a group or is that a, a law? So it was a it was a case in the United States okay, Supreme so Court. It's like Red Scott. It was a okay, Supreme cool. Court decision. I understand now. Filed. I understand. Well, what you said, I was like, is that a person? <clears throat> so Sorry. okay, now I understand. And so you, you think the the lawyer the law of the land needs to review campaign finance? Yes. That's how you change it. Oh, for sure. Okay, cool. So that answer my question. And I absolutely uh, agree. You think so? Yeah. I like the idea of somebody who made a lot of money and be like, here you go. I'm just giving it away. Because well, I want to be able to have the freedom to make fun of somebody. If I had a lot of money, I would screw with so many people. <laughs> Here's my like, primary issue with it. Let's say, you know, I used to work in the ONG industry. And so let's say that I support, personally support this, not even this candidate, but this platform, this party, this philosophy. But my boss one is giving a lot of money for the other thing. That's almost a form of, I don't want to say harassment in the sense of a potentially hostile workplace. If it's found out that I'm actively working against my boss politically, it could blow up. So I don't like the fact that a, a corporation has the power to put so much in when I'm helping that corporation yeah. w- make that money. So that's, that's my primary issue with... Well, that's one thing I liked about the Andrew Yang thing. Was he was talking about, you know, everyone basically the, I don't know that where the, I don't think it would be money from the government. I think it was money from the government. Everyone got an equal amount and you can donate to, donate that to any political campaign. That's all you had. But that's all you had. Yeah. So no one could go like, oh, I got a free hundred dollars and I'm going to give another hundred dollars. It's like, no, everyone can only spend a hundred dollars. Every, every individual, no corporations or anything. It's just every individual gets a hundred bucks from the government. And that way you can put that into any type of, Local. You had to you had to pick how to put it, what campaigns you wanted to put it in. But once you spent it, that was it. And yeah. There was no more that was going to be. And injected. if you didn't spend it, could you keep it? Because I think you'll find that a lot of people suddenly wouldn't be voting. Or putting. I mean, I bet well, they take it. I bet there's a way. For something like that, I don't think they would write a check to you. I think they probably mail you something saying, "Hey, these are these are the campaigns that have applied. This is how you fill it out." And then the money is actually probably donated from the government to that campaign, not. Donate to you than for me. Right. I don't. I doubt they would do. I've got to chew that one over to see if I like it or not. That's what I'm saying. Like it was interesting because it kind of solves that issue that you kind of talked about, where some people who give too much money, but you still want to. You don't want to say, "Hey, you can't give any money." But to me, that's no. almost a campaign finance version of participation trophy. Well, I think it's also you something. Show up, it's you interesting. Get bucks. The way I look at it, because we'll, we'll in two minutes we'll go to we'll go to the next topic. But I think it's interesting because you can see what communities really care about the local politics all the way to the big, to big me, dogs. To me, the way it would kind of work, I mean, just because it, it is interesting, right? Yeah. To, me, to me, the way it would kind of work is you register to vote, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it's allocated that each registered voter gets... 100 bucks. Ex- say it's $100, $100 to spend in politics for whoever, whatever candidates. You can split it up however you yeah. want to. It's not money they give you physically and say, go give it. It's... You get to, t- you know, you get a form, you get it online, whatever it is. I want my hundred. You allocate your money. I want this money allocated this way to these campaigns, and then that money gets injected into those. And campaigns. every campaign gets an ID code. But and that's like, it. Hey, when you go online to give politicalcampaign.com, you enter your ID code and you enter your information. But that hundred dollars is it. So, yeah. I've really got to think. Of, I, 
So it's interesting. It is interesting. It'd be cool to see how local politics gets affected. And then you have the big dogs. And then you got to look. I mean, the other things, unfortunately, that have to be looked at, which which I'm not saying it's not a it's an interesting idea to look into for sure. Right. Uh, But then you have to look at things like, well, then how would uh, advertising markets deal with something like that? Right. Because, you know, if you're going to advertise in in Southern California versus advertising in Montana, yeah, the, the cost is going to be drastically different on what it well, costs to put an ad on TV. Well, I think that's right? that. So, well, so that's, that would have to be something that also is kind you of got to have a smart equation, campaign manager, right? <laughs> I guess. Real so, smart. I mean, I I think it's fun because I think the local politics would benefit from it because I think it will show that you know. If, I think it will because I think the larger t- cities will not probably do local. It'll be more of the bigger dogs, but I'd say here I can see more people being involved in the local politics than the bigger politics just because sure. of the way this town kind of runs. I can see smaller towns being focused on local big towns like metropolitan, like New York and LA doing the bigger stuff. I don't necessarily well, disagree. I, I, again, this is something I'm, I'm having, I'm wrapping myself around so I can't give up. I think it'd be fun. You got to change it up every once well, in a it's, while. You know, and, and it is interesting. And I, you know, and for me, it's a, you know, these things are all a challenge, right? Yeah. Because, you know, when I, when I run a campaign, I talk about the issues that are out there. And I want to talk about things that people care about. Uh, but the only way for those people to know that I'm talking about the things that, that, that they probably care about uh, is for them to hear me, right? And so how do I reach how, how do I reach them? Just create a YouTube and, channel, man. And so, uh, do box reviews, unboxing. Influencer and drop, do you do, drop do, right? you, you do unboxing reviews, and that gets you a, a base. <laughs> and then you do other things. There you go. <laughs> so let's switch topics. I know uh, you, last time you were in, you were talking about, Jay, the... Uh, the county, from what I understand, wanted to start different, and this is through the commissioner's court. Who's this through? So the the county has started uh, an organization called the Montgomery County Behavioral Health and Suicide Prevention Task Force. Okay, that's so the what it's county. Called. Who's the county? Everyone here. Like- so it's it's part of the county. Really, the person that spearheaded this whole kind of effort was was Judge Mack. Okay. In, in Precinct 1, because it's a near and dear subject to him, because especially from what he sees and doing his job every day. Yeah. Um, and it's an issue. It's an issue. Uh, it's it's a national issue. Uh, it's, certainly oh, sure. an, it's certainly an issue in Montgomery County. I mean, the Woodlands has one of the highest pediatric suicide rates in the state. That's, that's um, a fancy word of saying young children under 18. Yes. Okay. Just making sure, because, I, I mean, it could mean a lot of things. So pediatric means under 18. Under 18. Right? Okay, so, cool. And so, you know, we, we have an issue with it, and it's something that has a stigma associated with it, whether it's mental health or, or whether we're talking about suicide. And it's something people don't want to get out there and talk about. Um, you know, there's a lot of misunderstandings about things. Oh, we don't want to talk about, you know, suicide, because if we a- ask somebody that question, that's going to make them go do it, uh, which is absolutely not true. Um, actually, the best thing you can do if you're talking to somebody is say, hey, are you thinking about killing yourself right mm-hmm. now? Um, it's important to do that. You have to do that. Um, and you can't worry about anything else because, again, in the broader sense of the term, when it comes to suicide prevention, the biggest thing you can do as somebody trying to help somebody that may be in trouble uh, is to put time in the equation. Um, if you can continue to talk with them and cre- com- converse with them and put time, usually you know, the, the likelihood that somebody is actually going to go take their life is is greatly diminished um and so and there's a stigma behind mental health right i mean if we look at first responders i mean first responders have a higher suicide rate 
uh, than die in the line of duty. And so we have to recognize that. And, and the unfortunate part is a lot of first responders are, are scared to say something if they're having a mental health issue, whether it's PTSD or depression or anxiety, okay. uh, because they're afraid they're going to get fired. They're afraid they're not going to get a promotion. They're afraid they're not going to be able to do the job that they love. And so there's a stigma behind it that, oh, my God, I can't talk about this. And, and unfortunately, what that can ultimately lead to is not only something like suicide, but this also leads to uh, domestic abuse in the household. Um, you know, family violence issues because they're not doing something and talking about um, addressing the issue they're having, so they take it out somewhere. Um, and, and so we have to be able to talk about these things, and we have to be able to talk about them openly. And we, have to, we also have to understand that there's certain gr groups that are at greater risk than others. Uh, you know, veterans, first responders, mm -hmm. and the LGBTQ community are the three most at-risk uh, communities when we're talking about suicide, when we're talking about suicide prevention. And so we can't be afraid to talk about them either um, because you have to. And, and, you know, when people see statistics on, on these particular groups, a lot of people are just like, holy cow, I never really, I never even realized how these statistics are so uh, yeah, well, vastly different to be than the general of, population. It always seemed to be one of those things, if you were in it, you understood it. If you were outside of it, you ne literally never had any clue. And one thing, because I, I we followed I follow you on social media, and you've done some high school stuff. I see like you go to you, you create groups that talk and they visit schools. Correct, that's part of the whole part of the whole coalition. Is so there's so I'm uh, I'm in two. So the, the the task force itself has like 13 work groups. Okay, that do various different things. Um, you know, there's a first responders group, a veterans group, an adult group, a pediatric group. I'm in those two groups, the adult group and the pediatric group, and I'm their veteran outreach, uh, veteran and LGBTQ outreach okay. lead for those two groups. Um, and and uh, there's a marketing group. I mean, there's a whole. Well, I mean, because you got, well, it's kind of one of those things where you don't know how. I can't you can't visualize how to organize the conversation. Uh, without without having an idea, but then yeah. it's like you just start, and then you see where people are are turning up. What are right. people talking about? Is it being effective? So right now, if people want to know more information about it, where do they go? You say like either a they're in, they're depressed yeah. and they're having the exact same things you've been talking about. Yeah. So there's a there's a Facebook page right now, um, uh, the Montgomery County Behavioral Health Suicide Prevention Task Force. Okay. I think that's what it's called on Facebook. They're working on a website right now. That's still under under the works. I mean, this this whole thing started uh, last May. Uh, they had, uh, you know, Judge Mack and, and the group of organizers decided to, that that was the very first meeting. That was like the first public meeting. And they hold, held it at the Lone Star Convention Center up near the airport. And about 450-plus people showed up. To, to just hear what this whole thing was going to be about. And I was shocked that that many people showed up, quite frankly. I was happy, but I was shocked. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, and I obviously volunteered for the, for the specific groups that I'm in um, so I could work with those groups. And, and you know, I have, I've had, you know, Judge Mack and I have a very good relationship. Um, and, and so... You know, I told him certain things that I think we had to do specifically if we really wanted to address this head-on, um, and it was specific about talking about veterans in the LGBTQ community. And uh, um, we've now gotten to a point in our working groups and 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 in logos, doc, you know, s pamphlets and stuff are being put together so that at local, you know, carnivals or festivals or events that the the task force will get a booth and. 
they'll have literature to be able to hand out and contacts and yeah. places to go. Um, the whole idea really behind it is to, number one, have conversations so that we can uh, get people more comfortable about talking about mental health and suicide. Because how we, how we prevent it is to talk about it. Uh, we have to talk about it. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two, not only do we need to talk about it, we need to get more people engaged in it. Um, you know, it can't just be it can't just be the providers in the county that talk about it, right? It has to be right. people outside of the healthcare mental health universe that start talking about these things. I mean, if you're an oil and gas business, if you're a manufacturing business, if you're a uh, attorney's office, whatever it is, we need to get everybody kind of engaged and just being able to have the conversation. And, and most importantly, we have to, be, to identify all the resources we have in the county that can actually help people that are having a problem. And, and that's part of one of the goals of the task force is to be able to, and this is what we're doing, we're centralizing the, all the resources that are available in the county in a central location so that if somebody wants to look up how do I get help on you know, an eating disorder, how do I get help on depression, how do I get help with this, that, or the other, there is a one central place that they can go and find a provider that can address those specific issues for them. Um, and these providers are all being vetted. So this is not just Joe Schmo calls up and says, hey, I do this, and they throw you on the list. This, is, this list is being vetted for uh, their viability, their credentials, you know, what they really do. So it's not just a random give your name and you'll be, you'll be on the yeah. list. And so... Uh, and now what we're doing is, is again, partnering with organizations like the uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. They have um, a program typically aimed towards adults. They have a programs that are aimed towards adults, college students, high school students that, that are varying in, in their nature. Um, but one of the adult ones is, is called uh, Talk Saves Lives. And so basically it's a presentation that um, talks about, you know, um, Statistics about suicide. Some of some of their presentations are specifically geared, you know, to throw some statistics about the LGBTQ community or the elderly community. That's another very at-risk population group is the elderly community. Um, and so, uh, and so it, it sounds like resources, but is. it also says here's what you do if you are, you know, conversing with somebody that you think is at risk, or you know, so. It's a presentation about kind of like, what do I do now, right? If, if this happens to me or it's out it happens open. to somebody I know, what can I do to help this person or help yourself, right? Um, I think that would be invaluable uh, training, for lack of a better word, because people are just uniquely unqualified to, you know, someone, well, I want to kill myself. It's like, what do you say? And, of course, right. you even have the legal aspect when you had that gal who so, did the... So oh, go on and do it. So this gives you this gives you some basics, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is not like a, a, an eight-hour training course. It's a it's a like but a lunch and learn. It's a presentation. I think the initial response can literally that's make a, or break the situation. That's exactly right. And so, and and we have to be honest about the things that affect it. And 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 when we talk about it, that's what we do. And so, so the a, the AFSP trains people to be able to give this presentation. Not everybody can just go give this presentation. They they get some they get training from the AFSP. And then they're certified to actually give the training. So, you know, I have, I have a Talk Saves Lives that's coming up on the 19th of March. It's going to be in the Woodlands. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll send you the flyer yeah. so you can put it out there. I'll put it out on my social media. Uh, but it's on the 19th, and I guess I can, if I had all this uh, memorized, 
Yeah, you know, it's funny as I'm horrible with all that because you know I am. Yeah, so it's at the lake. So, the lake whatever front. you tell me, I'm going to forget. <laughs> I know it's at the it's at the lakefront north building on uh, Research Forest Drive, and it's on the 19th at 6 p.m. It's from 6 to 8. Uh, usually the presentation is about 30 to 60 minutes. It just depends, and of course we want interaction from from the audience and get questions. But it's just a candid conversation, and this talk is very specifically geared towards the LGBTQ community. Okay. Um, and well, so that people can get some statistics and get a little understanding. And, and I'm, I'm really hoping, you know, we're putting it out there. I'm hoping we can fill the room. And quite honestly, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we can get parents. I mean, because that's really so who I want to So I think I that's touch. a good thing to, to make a point of these groups is you don't have to be in the LGBTQ definition if you're a parent or a friend exactly anyone can come an ally and out yes i guess that's a great way to say it but that's one thing i I always i think that's really what kind of people hesitate on where it's like well i don't fall under those like those guidelines so i guess it's their thing you know not my thing and then but then you also are an ally and you're like well how do we how do we figure this out so that's really important for people to know that it's kind of everyone's welcome but the focus will be on people in the LGBTQ community community. That's right. And then the other groups will be like for veterans. If you're not a veteran, they don't want you not to come. You can still come. That's exactly right. It's, it's not, it's, it's not a talk that's for specifically the LGBTQ community. It's for everyone. And it's about the LGBTQ community. So, you know, we want allies to come and, and quite frankly, if, if I don't, I don't even care if somebody's not an ally, they just don't really understand. Then I want them to come because I think it's important. We have that conversation. Um, because, uh, you know, much like I talked about, you know, if somebody's you're conversing with and you think they're in fear, you think you fear that they're going to take their life you, you should directly ask them that to their face. You know, are you going to take your yeah. life right now? Um, but we need, to, and so that's a myth that if you say that, that's going to make them do it. It's not right. And so if the other myths that are out there, especially when we talk about the LGBTQ community, if you talk about the LGBTQ community, isn't going to make you gay. Yeah. It's not going to make your child gay. Um, you know, that's that's just not how it works. And so, <laughs> uh, but there's people. You'd be that, surprised. But there's <laughs> people that believe that. And so, you know, the the education needs to be put out there as well. Um, and when you look at statistics of, of especially LGBTQ youth, um, just the difference between being in an accepting household and an unaccepting household yeah. is like they're eight times more likely to to um, well, especially take with their like own life. the cyberbullying thing is the new thing, and especially when you have like because I know growing up when you have conversations with people they have mm-hmm. impact on you because growing up, you know between the ages of one through thirteen, you you're you're dealing with a real person. Yeah. But That's, unfortunately, when you bridge over to online, you still have those expectations as if you're dealing with a real person, but you're dealing with somebody who's extremely volatile towards you. And you're like, yeah. I've never experienced it. Why are these hate? You know, th- yeah, those I'm not meant to sound glib here, but when I was a kid growing up and I was bullied, at least the bullies had the huevos to do it in person. Yeah. You know, the, you, you saw it was a human person and you could kick them where it counted. And they went down well, just like anyone else. I, I mean, Nowadays, with the cyberbullying, it's everyone—you know—everyone's a hero with the screen in front of them. Everyone's—you yeah. know, there's no filter. Well, that's the—that's the, the crazy thing. Like you said, it's important to talk because you don't know, as a parent or as a friend or an outsider to this person, like mm-hmm. you don't know what they're doing when you're not with them anymore. Because typically, mm-hmm. you know, 40 years ago, you kind of knew the town, you kind of knew who the people were talking well, to. Bobby could come home with a black eye or the school could be calling saying something's going on. Yes, Bobby. but you then know, online, there evidence. it's like, it's, it's what do you in. do? Because I'm worried about my nieces and nephews because, you know, the, I see them on the device and I've gotten one of them in trouble. Mm-hmm. 
inadvertently because I knew what an app I knew what app they're on. I'm like, hey, just so you know, they're on this thing that is meant to do this, but it sounded like she was using it for this. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that guy isn't a kid. Yeah. And I was like, and it was kind of like one of those surreal moments to me. I go, how? Because you can't blame the parent in a sense of, you know, if there's an action that is taking place, it's more of like, how do you penetrate that that unknown for yeah. a, a friend going, how do I find out if something's wrong? And well, and, and, and I'll say this about it. You know, obviously bullying's an issue, especially in schools. Uh, bullying can be a big issue, whether it's cyberbullying or bullying to your face. It can be either one. But this is what I tell people. You know, if you if you look at, <laughs> I try to put it in perspective about about this activity is if you look at two kids that are, you know, two years old and they're out playing, uh, they're having a great time with each other and it doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter where their social economic background comes from. They're just two kids having a good time. Yeah. Right. And, and so when we talk about things like bullying and, and just being nasty to people and quite honestly, it doesn't matter if it's because of an LGBTQ issue or politics or anything else. Uh, people are just the, the thing I'll say about it is, especially when it comes to our youth, you know, hate is taught. Yes. Hate is not inherent. And so if, if, if kids are engaging in activities uh, that borderline on, on, on that type of thing, uh, we all need to understand it's learned. Uh, it's not inherent. Um, and that's where the, prob- the corrective action has to come from. Um, because, you know, uh, too often I think people... Um, are intolerant of things. And, and uh, unfortunately, in a household, that can w- rub off that intolerance. Um, and there may be no other reason for the intolerance other than, well, this is just what I've always heard. It's kind of like, it's like people that my great-grandfather was a Republican and my grandfather and my parents and I, blah, 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 right? So the only, the only underlying factor is that, well, that's just kind of how it's always been or that's what I've heard all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to recognize the fact that, um, you know, being intolerant for, for about certain things has repercussions to it. Um, because, you know, if you have a child, that child could be straight, that child could be gay, that child could be bi. You, you have no control of or that. furry. Right? Or furry. Sure. Furry's a real thing. You, you have no, con- you have no control of that. Right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your social economic background. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It doesn't matter. And, and so, you know, we need to recognize those things. And, and, and you know, I see it all the time, obviously, being in politics and, and, and what I see in social media, especially when it comes to some of these topics uh, about what people say and, and, and what people think. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of those things are just simply not true. But it's just something they've heard over and over again, and they believe it to be true. But the reality is it's not true. And, and so, you know, those types of things are, are part of the education process that, that, you know, I certainly strive for in, in talking to people about these issues because um, I, I think it's vitally important that, that we have these conversations. And, and, and it stems in through, you know, I'm part, of this, I'm part of this task force completely separate from my politics. When I do an event for this task force, I am not Jay, the Democratic candidate for whatever. I am Jay, the guy that lives in East County, lives in this county, cares about people, and this is an issue that I specifically want to address um, because I think it's vitally important that people get that information. 
And I, so that's cool. So you're you're all building a website right now. They can look it up on Facebook. Yeah, there's groups stuff. on Facebook. They can look it up, and and uh, the I don't know when the, I'll find out as time goes on here. We're having our first annual big meeting in May, kind of the one year anniversary. It's going to mm-hmm. be again at the Lone Star Convention Center, and it's it's going to be a big kind of to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's information being put out there already about that in the certainly in the uh, in the Facebook group, and it will be on the website when the website gets gets done and gets published. Um, but these are, you know, these are uh, really important issues that all of us need to kind of band together and work together to, to help solve it. I mean, I've always, I, I've said I'm never going to stop doing this until we don't have one suicide. So, you know, unfortunately, I know reality, I'll do this for the rest of my life because, um, you know, I, I'd love to strive for that, but we, we have to chip, chip away at it over time. So, um, I'm really excited about it. We're doing a lot of great things. We have a few people in our, our, our work group now that are, that are certified to give this talk. And so the idea is we want to go to all the businesses that are in Montgomery County, um, big or small, and say, hey, you know, would you be willing to let us come in and give a lunch and learn and, and take 30, 45 minutes of your, you know, your folks' time and just have a discussion about the topic of suicide prevention and, and, and what you can do if you ever encounter somebody, at least from like a, uh, a, a first aid, if you, you know, immediate first aid kind of crisis response kind of way um, to, to make sure you can try to put something in between somebody uh, taking their life and, and not taking their life and then being able to give them resources to get follow-on care, right? And of course, if you ever get in a situation and it's critical, dial 911. That's what you have to do. But we have amazing, you know, if, if, if you know you can talk and you have time, I mean, you know, we have part of the constable's office in, in Precinct 1 that's a crisis intervention team, and they, they serve the entire county. They don't just serve Precinct 1. There's 14 of them on this, on the, in this group, and they are like a mental health policing team. So if somebody you know is having a mental health crisis, whether it be suicide or something else, you can, you can call. Um, it's really the non-emergency line. Uh, for the sheriff's department, okay. they work hand in hand with the sheriff's department, and they have their own line. But you know, the best number to call is the non-emergency line for the sheriff's office. And you specifically say you have a mental health issue, and you'd like the the mental health team to to be able to interject or do a um, a welfare check or something of that nature. And and they do that, and that that is their sole job. They are never going to somebody's house to arrest somebody. They are there to uh, de-escalate and make sure people get the help they need. And, and that means if you know somebody and you need them transported to a specific place for help, they will actually do that. That's a service they provide. If they have to sit there for eight hours and try to talk somebody off a ledge, so to speak, they will absolutely do that. They're an amazing group of guys. Um, I met them a few years you know, back, uh, three years ago, I think. And, and it's, a, it's a resource that probably a lot of people don't realize we even have in this county, which is, and, and we need more of them, quite frankly. Because if you take the population of the county and divide it by the 14 of them, you know, each one of them serves about 44,000 people. <laughs> that's, a, that's not a good, uh, a good threshold. And their numbers of calls are, you know, doubling every year now that, as the word gets out that this group even exists. Yeah. So, so these are really important things that, that we need to, you know, have conversations about. And, and truthfully, to, to wrap it into politics, it comes into play in politics, especially when I talk about this, uh, the LGBTQ community, right? So... Um, because you talked about bathroom bills earlier. I mean, those, those are bills that were aimed specifically at the LGBTQ community. And, and that, quite frankly, they're bills that there was never a problem to begin with to require a law to fix it. It's something that started uh, on the East Coast, I think in North Carolina, and unfortunately it spread like a cancer. 
uh, across state legislators to, to, to start putting these bills forward. Um, well, you, and, you, and, you and they're can kind of tell sometimes when people, and especially in government, will be politically motivated to create a drama. I would call it drama. Usually it's distractionary legislation. Yeah, it's that's kind of like, <laughs> okay, so what's really happening? So, uh, so that's a problem, right? Say and the name one more time with the group so people can look it up. The Montgomery County Behavioral Health and Suicide Prevention Task Force. Okay, because it's really long. So I have it to is. say it like 20,000 times before I get it. Yeah. But so. it, you're, you're, it's uh, we'll talk more about when the event comes up. Yeah, because that'd be really cool to promote. Yeah, watch back like in. That. We've actually had a couple of questions on um, through the Facebook to go into topics that unfortunately would <laughs> we we wouldn't be able to get into. But for like uh, to talk about the next time, how does the concept of a right to die? fall into this category because of course i think mm-hmm. i don't want to say i can't well, we have a minute here why would you why would you bring that up we have literally a minute left in the show know that we we listen and that we're going to get jay back in the studio to talk no, about it's a great things. it's a great topic and there's other great topics we can talk about whether it's, okay. it's politics or not right because there's a lot of things i'd love to talk about right i mean you know we're, we're on this well that's what you get for choosing the day before super thursday i guess come in and exactly talk to right us. Jay, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. And we look forward to having you back in. Don't forget. When's the event? Uh, when is it again? March 19th. Come in before March 19th. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you're, thanks for listening to Dig and Skippy in the mornings on IRLoneStar.com and then uh, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. We've been getting messages about uh, some interruptions with the Facebook feed. Uh, we're going to see what we can do about that. That means the video isn't ruined, so we'll probably re-upload it, and it's all in entirety without interruptions. So don't worry about that. So keep an eye on our Facebook. I'll give Sudden Link a call. I'm calling you out, Sudden Link. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm sorry about that, so don't freak out. We did record everything. We'll be posted to our YouTube channel and all that stuff. So uh, keep in touch. We don't have a guest for Friday as of right now. What? Uh, we do have a guest on Monday. Uh, we have a lawyer coming in, and that's all I can remember about it. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. And so if you want to be a guest or anything on this Friday, the 6th, uh, come on by, or not come on by, let's not do that. Uh, <laughs> why don't you give us a call at 936-228-9368, and then we have uh, Gmail at dickandskippy at gmail.com, and then, of course, IRLoneStar.com slash dickandskippy. You can find out ways to contact us through that. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We're signing out. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.